This Star News Media Podcast is presented by North Chase Family Dentistry. Open evenings, Saturdays, and they probably take your insurance. Visit them on the web at NorthChaseFamilyDentistry.com. And by Tidewater Heating and Air Conditioning, servicing all major brands with highly trained technicians who are the best the industry has to offer. Serving Wilmington and surrounding communities for more than 40 years. Learn more at TidewaterAC.com. Welcome to another episode of Cape Fear Unearthed, a podcast from Star News Media. I am your host, Hunter Ingram, and I'm a reporter for the Star News here in Wilmington, North Carolina. When you're not listening to me talk about history on this podcast, you can read my byline on coverage of the city, the local film and television industry, and my weekly TV Hunter column. This week, we're going to be grabbing our shovel and digging into another story from the Cape Fear history books of persisting legends, historical oddities, and mysterious figures. As always, I'm going to share with you the story as it has been passed down through history and told through legend. And then I'm going to bring in someone from the community with knowledge of our tale to discuss the impact of the story and whether or not history can be trusted. So settle in for this episode of Cape Fear Unearthed for the story of Jacob's Run and the Forgotten Tunnels of Wilmington. In early May 2017, the ground at 2nd and Market Streets in downtown Wilmington gave way without warning. The cause wasn't a natural sinkhole opening up or a faulty roadway crumbling underneath the tires of a passing vehicle bouncing on its uneven pavement. Instead, it was a breach in the foundation of a 200-year-old structure built beneath the ground. In an instant, the incident exposed sunlight to and revived public interest in an often forgotten piece of Port City history. Located underneath many of the streets in downtown Wilmington, a series of narrow, arched passageways wind back and forth, connecting nearly every corner of the historic area with the others. And yet, most people don't even know they sit right below their feet. The tunnels, as history and word of mouth have made them out to be, are actually a colonial sewage system built by some of the earliest Wilmingtonians as a means of moving waste out of the developing city and into the Cape Fear River. It's not a particularly flattering origin story for one of the region's most persistent legends, but for the tunnels, fiction has always been far more interesting than fact, which is why their more practical use is often ignored and replaced with tales of their role in the stories of pirates, escaped slaves, and illicit encounters for more than two centuries. When Wilmington was being settled in the 1700s, the natural streams that flowed through the downtown area became a vital asset to the burgeoning community. But the streams, which would be given names like Jacob's Run, Tanyard Branch, Horse Pond Creek, and Rock Spring, were prone to flooding and stunk with the stench of waste. So town leaders opted to build enclosures over them, lined with logs and built over with brick. The tunnels were built as many as a dozen or more feet underground, and they weren't for the claustrophobic, as they were tightly packed at no more than six feet tall and sometimes only two feet wide. Fully covered by the 1800s, traffic could move unimpeded over the streams, and the unsightly sewage system was finally hidden away from the public eye and eventually from the community altogether. In the decades and centuries that followed, The tunnels took on a life of their own, as later generations of Wilmington residents spun intricate stories of what went on within their walls when no one was watching. The largest and most famous of these tunnels is Jacob's Run, 
which was named for a prominent local citizen whose house set over the stream and tunnel that encased it. Colonial-era maps suggest the tunnel begins under North 6th Street and runs northwest before emptying into the Cape Fear River just south of the J.W. Brooks Building on Water Street. That is fact. This is where fiction comes into play. Wild stories of pirates using the tunnel and its siblings to smuggle treasure, women, and booze out of the city have littered history since the 1700s. There were tales of Revolutionary War soldiers using it as a means of moving through the city undetected, and other stories cite them as a network for the Underground Railroad, through which slaves would literally crawl their way to freedom. More salacious stories pegged the tunnels as a colonial lover's lane, where young couples would retreat to have clandestine meetings. The smell, however, likely wasn't the most appropriate aroma for such an occasion. As the truth was stretched and tall tales were born, the tunnels became things of legend. One well-trafficked story tells of Lord Cornwallis's stay at the Bergwin Wright House at 3rd and Market Streets in 1781. It was the tail end of the Revolutionary War, and Cornwallis was using the house as his base and its basement as a holding cell for his prisoners. The story goes that he was unaware that what he thought was an airtight enclosure actually held a secret passage to the tunnels, allowing the patriots to slip away in the night. A supposedly verified story around the turn of the 20th century claims two prisoners broke out of the old county jail at 4th and Princess Street using the tunnels, only to be apprehended at the Cape Fear River, though some still dispute even that story's validity. In his articles on the tunnels for the April 2002 issue of Our State, former University of North Carolina Wilmington professor David Levere pushed back on stories that the tunnels were used by slaves to escape. Instead, he said they were more likely used as places of temporary reprieve from their owners and lives of servitude. Few of the stories of what happened in the tunnels are verifiable, simply because they were just that, stories, born of whispers and gossip. After they were covered over and the world continued to grow and evolve above them, the tunnels were largely forgotten. But with plenty of entrances and exits, movement in and out of the passages was certainly possible, if you knew where to look. Today, those access points have largely been shut off to the world, poured over with concrete and bricked over to keep people from continuing the tradition of sneaking off into their winding routes. It's when the tunnels break through the ground above, like they did in 1951, 1975, and most recently on that May afternoon in 2017, that the larger Wilmington population is reminded of their existence. The 2017 sinkhole was caused by the crumbling structure of Jacob's Run, which some historians warn only becomes more structurally unsound as the years pass. Whether the tunnels will survive another century is unclear. But for now, they remain solid and quiet, the bones of downtown Wilmington resting just below our feet. Joining me now is Joseph Shepard, who works for the New Hanover County Library and specifically in the North Carolina room at the main downtown library location. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Joseph. Thank you for having me. So we're going to start out talking about Jacob's Run and really this um, network of tunnels and, and sewers, as we'll talk about in downtown Wilmington. But I wanted to start by talking about or dispelling some rumors about what they actually are. So <laughs> there's, there's stories of pirates, there's stories of runaway slaves, there's stories of smugglers. Is there any truth to any of that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right off, no. <laughs> okay. So what what is the truth? What is what does history tell us really happened with these tunnels? Well, specifically the the, the culvert system, mm -hmm. if you want to use a yeah. more modern term. Tunnels it, is far more mythical. Mythical in the <laughs> sense that uh, archaic language tunnels is used to divert 
streams or to say tunnel through the earth. Mm -hmm. We would use a more complicated word, say culvert system in the sense of water being drained from your home Mm -hmm. to a sewage system and then deposited somewhere far, far away. In the colonial period, far, far away meant taking it from your home and just out the door. So in our sense, we believe that it has to be taken a long distance and treated and then released somewhere. Colonial period, if they threw it out the window, it was gone and it was somebody else's problem. Out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. So beginning in 1772 for the town commissioners, all men, all free men, mm-hmm. we must be specific, yeah. were required to take care of the drainage from their home, their own private home or that near adjacent to their home. So that case, those men had to either dig a trench or culvert in the open sewage system from okay. their house. In this case, this is what we're looking at is that uh, water was then covered over, whether into small drains or into sophisticated culvert system areas. And that might be, say, by wood, having it blocked in by wood, or in many cases in in Wilmington's downtown, arched with actual brick and stone. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's what this is, or in places it can be. In places, exactly, in places, and it leads to that imagination. Some places, supposedly, I have yet to see it, but supposedly in the culvert system, there are areas that are large enough to allow large objects to flow through. Mm -hmm. The reason that was done large enough so that you, as a grown man, can get into it is so you can do maintenance, Mm -hmm. and that was the whole purpose. Yeah. So what would what kind of size are we talking about for some of these? They're very small. They're very, very small. And unfortunately, the photography that's been done before of these locations give you this perception that it's a much larger space. Yes. You got to imagine it's got to be large enough just to let water flow through or debris. And uh, that can be of various sizes. But uh, in some places, I've read that it is tall, six feet high, large enough for oh. a man to stand fully erect okay. if necessary. Um, but that's only in certain places, and it certainly doesn't extend farther than just a few feet. So, you know, that we, we have a picture that we, we've used, and I think it was from someone who, who yes. went down there. And it does. It looks like a tunnel. It oh, looks yeah. like a... Um, yeah, and, and you have this picture right here, and I'll, I'll put it to the Facebook page, but it's it, it looks like it's an actual tunnel yes. that you would go into. It's and not the... through, and yeah. Well, and I think exactly. the word tunnel gives uh, the perception that yeah, it certainly. is something that you personally are meant to walk through, but right. really it's not meant for you. It's right. meant for something else. Right. So with it being, you know, the, this sewer system, this culvert system, what, what do you think attributed that truth to then now having these stories of pirates that were using them as networks? Is it just kind of the mystery of them? Well, uh, people misconceive, of course, the whole word usage, yeah. tunnel, mm-hmm. culvert system. When that's why I always try to use that word because we know what culvert, sewage mm-hmm. drainage means. But um, I think that in all old towns, regardless of where you are, there are stories of tunnels yeah. used for covert purposes or for 
you know, bringing in uh, uh, unmarked goods. Uh, there's always that story about certain merchants, you know, how they really get that cargo ship of items into their store without mm-hmm. paying for it. Uh, we have the modern imagination from watching shows like Poldark, where the shipwreckers, they, they all run down to the shore and steal the stuff as it's coming in. And then they bring it in through an underground hole somewhere. Those kind of stories are in our imagination. So certainly when we hear talk of things such as a, a tunnel underneath the city used for drainage, you have that um, going through your head. Absolutely. Yes, this is something that could be used for something other than the actual fact of what it was designed for. <laughs> well, and I also imagine that the history of Wilmington to so many people as an important city to yes. the South, but also yes. towards the Confederacy and the Civil War, oh, yes. lends itself well to wanting this network of secret tunnels to move history about. Well, and it's a good explanation for something that cannot be explained. How did those slaves get away from the house? Well, yeah. it's hard to imagine they would have just walked out the door and gone down the street and caught mm-hmm. the next you know train, which in some cases they did. But, you know, we want to believe there's more of a mystery. How did those pirate booty really get here? Yeah. You know, uh, it's, the simple explanation was, well, it just came by a ship that didn't have a name on the side of it and was emptied off the shore and brought up by, you know, certain persons. But if a child were to ask their parent, oh, how did that happen? The parent might say, well, it came in through the secret entrance. Yeah. And of course, that child grows up and he or she then believes well, of course my father told me that story and it's true. Why would he tell me a falsity? And then pass it along. Exactly. So that's a lot of the cases what happens. And there are stories from that colonial period of pirates and et cetera that was going on. By the time, though, that the Wilmington has a drainage system in place, all those items, all the history dealing with pirates and piracy and all that has long since passed. It yeah. was in their imagination. I think it's cooler to think about history of pirates walking beneath your feet, you know, moving well, yeah, about certainly. treasure yeah. when uh, even if that yeah. wasn't even the case. As we talk about it now, a lot of these these tunnels, or not tunnels, these culvert systems, as we'll say, <laughs> we're going to talk about corrected history. Uh, you know, they, they, they do extend to very prominent places in Wilmington. Yeah, yes. not only just out of Wilmington, yes. you know, downtown area, but yes. a little ways out. Where do where do you, where do we see some of these? You mentioned previously um, when we were talking earlier that a lot of it is situated around there about 3rd Market, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Primarily so the the system drainage, you can see where it goes into and places where it would begin or the main arteries for Jacob's Run are primarily at the Market and 3rd Streets area where the courthouse sits, where large buildings that still take place back to the colonial period are there. So yes, those have not been tampered with or moved or changed. Mm -hmm. There are other areas throughout the the lower part of the downtown historic district that still have access from their homes to what we call Jacob's Run or the sewage system. And a lot of these, of course, still exist, they're there, but they don't use them. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you can't just throw stuff in open sewage 
cities like you yeah. could 300 years ago. But downtown, you can still see where the entranceways to Jacob's Run is at. Just walk down the sidewalk and you can see the hole mm-hmm. for that where it goes. But a lot of the access to mm-hmm. these these lines, these culvert systems, they've long been covered over by the city yes. for safety or they've yes. crumbled. or So there's not much access to these anymore. Oh, certainly not. No, the city would have, uh, you know, made several restrictions. It's been to recent memory where I speaking, we, we talked about Chris Fonville, a local professor. He had mentioned to me about taking students where he could actually walk down to Dock Street, Dock and Third mm-hmm. and open a cover and look wow. and see where the water was running. Now, that certainly was a while ago. I can't imagine you could do that now. Yeah. But in that case, there is that imagination from even present times. And I'm certain one of those students with him, with Fonville, could say, oh, I saw the water and I saw the tunnels. Exactly. And I saw the bones. and, and <laughs> All the bones of the pirates the gold, that's still yeah, there. Yeah. Exactly. I mentioned this in the story uh, that I read before you know, I brought you on, that they still open up. I mean, they're still, you know, it's not, yes. it's not yeah. a mystery that they're there. They're absolutely there. They're still used. They're still used. Yeah. And, you know, there was a case a couple of years ago where one of them caved in, you know, just right. a part of it because right. it is old. Exactly. Now, we, we always reference Jacob's Run. Are there other ones that we know the names of? Yes, there's Willow Spring Run, Mm -hmm. which is very close by there as well. And then there's Tanyard's Branch, which is a little bit north of the city. And uh, some places of that are still open and still placeable where you can find them. There were at one time seven seven different streams or culverted systems, and they've all been forgotten or names have changed. Or if you go back through the colonial records, the colonial town records, you can see the names of these places. Yeah. Uh, the trick is knowing what the current name is and when the name changed. Absolutely. But those three say Willow Spring, Tanyard's Branch, and Jacob's Run are still with us. Okay. Culvert systems and sewer systems, they're hardly sexy history. Um, but we do still talk about them. Oh, People yeah. are still fascinated by them. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, the, first of all, it, it, what fascinates me is the technology of that time period. This is Wilmington, 1770s. You know, uh, the fact that they, the town, was thinking this is something that we need to do to make this a thriving community. We need to have a modern culvert system. So they put this into orders and it was leading other cities before New York or Washington, D.C. Of course, Washington, D.C. hadn't came around yet, (laughs) but uh, Wilmington was ahead of the game in thinking this. We're going to be a metropolis. We need to have a modern system. So that went into play, Um, which I I find that fascinating. But what I think other people, when they hear these stories, and of course, just again, back to the whole tunnel, tunnel thing, and then they read pirates of the Penzance or they you know they hear about escapes and Underground Railroad particularly oh boy we oh, could yeah. spend days on just there was yeah. no such thing as an actual train that went underground but people believe that we they should hear. remind them that it wasn't it was just far more honestly far more sophisticated well certainly and but when you hear the word usage that's yeah. what throws us off and being human beings being a literal type creature if you call it black they believe mm-hmm. it's black if you call it white they believe it it's white. And with something like Jacob's Run, it just leads that imagination that the pirates were walking underneath yeah. my house. Exactly. <laughs> and again, it's, it's, it's definitely cooler that way. Um, well, yeah, of course. And, and of course. you know, 
you told me about one that you know still flows out into the river. Yes. You know, one that yes. you've even you've even seen and taken people down yes. there. Where is that? Well, Jacob's Run you can still see open by Chandler's Wharf on Water Street, and it of course has been. Uh, that whole site has been remodeled to make it a popular visitor site. Yeah. So Jacob's Run has been opened at that point, and you can see where it flows from the open sewage area. Mm-hmm. Certainly wouldn't say take a dip or yeah. go wading, as we used to say as kids. But you can see it open from there before it drains into the Cape Fear River. Okay. And then from there... It's an un, it's an unpretty site. Yeah. So um, so I guess we could say that you know Jacob's Run. It's definitely the far more popular of these, and it, it has well, yes. its spotted yes. history. But uh, you know, if you really look, you could still you could still find it. You can still find it, and probably why why we still now I would say talk about Jacob's Run is because the city in the 1930s redesigned their culvert system, and maps were drawn that named those particular maps, uh, Willard Spring, et cetera, on that map. And that's probably a lot of reasons why they still exist with us by name. And history and those stories, they definitely like to uh, keep the the, mis- the mystery of it alive, if well, nothing yes. else. Well, yes. Um, well, thank you so much, Joe. I really You're appreciate welcome. you being here. You're welcome. This was a great conversation. That's it for this week's episode of Cape Fear Unearthed and the story of Jacob's Run and the hidden tunnels of Wilmington. Thank you so much for joining me. Check back next Thursday for a new episode where we will explore another tale from the history books. Until then, we want to hear from you, the listener, about what story you think we should cover on a future episode. Be sure to email us your favorite local tale to capefearunearthed at gmail.com. The final episode this season is going to be a reader-submitted topic, and it could be yours. Also, be sure to share your thoughts on this week's episode on Twitter with the hashtag CFUnearthed. You can also join our Facebook group, where I will be posting extra content like pictures pertaining to each week's episode and more as the season progresses. You can find that group by searching Cape Fear Unearthed on Facebook. Finally, you can find a list of all the books, articles, and resources used in researching this podcast in the show notes. That's where you will also find a link to my story on Jacob's Run from 2017. Cape Fear Unearthed was written, edited, and hosted by me, Hunter Ingram. You can find more of my work at starnewsonline.com and on Twitter at Hunter Ingram SN. Until next week, get out and explore the Cape Fear region on your own. What you learn might just surprise you.